I knew that that was something I needed to have. All right, like in Nicolaj, which is my are clearing the house of information. None other than one of those very heroes. So, for those who don't know, I'd like you to take a couple minutes. Are you, are you originally from the Charleston area? And the youth in South Carolina. Yeah. Hey, well, my name's Alex. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the team is Lindy and to spread uh, love and. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back, world. How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? Hello, world, and welcome back to Real Talk with Rajan when nothing's off limits. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you are here with me, and I appreciate that I am your host. Now, here on Real Talk with Rajan, everything is debatable, so on any given week, we could be discussing anything from sports to music to politics. For those who are new to the show, Real Talk Rajan also has a goal of shining a light on the great things that are happening right here in the low country. I know that we are in the midst of a presidential election and we're talking about everything going on with the election, but I'm here to tell you that we have very important races happening right here in the low country that are impacting you and will impact you every single day. And today we have a very, very special guest and his name is Representative Joe Cunningham. Thank you for joining me, sir. John, thanks so much for having me, man. It's great to be here. Great, great to be here. Well, first of all, I, I want to thank you for coming on the show. I know it's your first time on the show, um, and I'm really excited to have you. My guests are also um, excited. As you can see, they're on here. They're watching. So we're, we're, I want to go ahead and get, get started. Um, please introduce yourself to the audience for those who may not know who you are. Yeah, Joe Cunningham, um, Congressman for South Carolina's first congressional district, uh, first term representative running for re-election here this term. All right. So, uh, what what made you what made you want to run for office in the first place? Yeah, you know, back in twenty eighteen, that was the very first election I'd ever ran for. Um, and you know, I think after the after the twenty sixteen election and what unfolded, I was tired of the, the divisiveness. I was tired of that rhetoric. You know, we saw the president um, just saying anything and doing anything during the election, even past that too, and. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't want that type of behavior to be ratified or become the new norm. And I, I feel like we're, we're better as a low country, better as a community. You know, you think about some of the things that that he said to uh, uh, to women and, and other people. And I, I think about, you know, my nephews, my nieces, think about my own son. And I, I don't want that to be the standard that that uh, that that is set by politics or politicians. And I want to change that. Absolutely. So where are you originally from? So I grew up in uh, far western Kentucky and then moved down here to Charleston to go to school uh, 20 years ago. It pains me to say that. but Wow. Which school did you go to? I college Charleston. Ah, go Cougs. Okay. Yeah. All right. I had to make sure. I had to make sure. I'm a college Charleston grad. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah, yes, sir. I'm a college Charleston grad. Yes, sir. Good stuff. So what, what was your major at college Charleston? So I, I went here the first couple of years uh, and started studying math and science and wanted to do engineering. And College Charleston didn't, didn't offer that. So I started looking around at other schools that did and settled in on Florida Atlantic University uh, to do ocean engineering. So I ended up completing my degree down there uh, at FAU. Okay, good stuff. Well, at least you started out at College Charleston. That's it. That's it. Great institution on the planet, by the way. <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, we, we have lots of College Charleston fans. And we, ha we have Kenyatta Grimmage, who's just said CFC in the, in the comment section. So we nice. want to make sure we shout that out. He actually interviewed Oprah the other night. That was pretty cool. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was I was impressed. I was impressed. Shout out awesome. to Ken Kenyatta. Um, so so you so you went to college at Charleston. You go right. to FIU. 
So where, where did your journey go from there? FAU, where do you go from there? FAU, I, I worked in the engineering field for about five years or so. And then, you know, the recession hit and a lot of engineering firms, a lot of uh, construction, a lot of development just came to a grinding halt, uh, as uh, as I'm sure many people remember. And uh, I was laid off. And I say that, you know, that God gave me the opportunity to pursue other things and mm -hmm. end up going to law school, got my law degree and practiced in the construction litigation field for a number of years here in Charleston uh, after that. And then 2016 happened and that just mm -hmm. kind of upended, you know, I didn't want to, I, you know, I grew up in the youngest of five brothers, big family and, you know, played a lot of sports and wasn't one just to sit on the sideline. Yeah. I, I wanted to actually do something about it. Wow. I love that. I love that. And you said you have a son. How old is yeah, your son? Yeah, yeah, I got a two and a half year old named Boone. All right. All right. Yeah. Good stuff. I seen him in the commercials. Um, yeah. right. And so let's let's talk a little about you mentioned, you know, the divisiveness of, you know, this current election cycle. Do you think the, uh, the, the this is something that's always been there? We just didn't realize it because it does seem to be extremely negative in this yeah. era. Um, what what are your thoughts on the way um, campaigns are sort of being run with the type of rhetoric that are be, that's being thrown around? Well, I think, you know, you, you lead by example and, and you look at what's going on from the top down and, you know, the the, the rhetoric and the name calling and thing, things that the president has essentially ratified and 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 uh and led by example with is just set a, a completely different tone i mean politics has always been uh you know back and forth but we're just seeing now i mean you know, you know family members pitted against each other neighbor pitted against neighbor you know it's uh it, we're better than that you know yeah. and that we should we i think we should strive to be better than that too and and not just accept that as the status quo and that's what that's what we tried to change in dc Absolutely. So since your time in D.C., what are some things that you've been able to accomplish um, in your time that you're really proud of? Well, we're very happy about, uh, you know, the number of bills that we've worked on. Um, I've got two of my bills signed in law by President Trump, mm -hmm. which is, I think, a testament that this idea of bipartisanship and working with people actually resonates and it's effective. We uh, we had a bill uh, that um, the Great American Outdoors Act, one of the biggest environmental pieces of legislation in half a century mm -hmm. uh, that got signed in law. Um, and uh, another bill to help veterans who are appealing their claims uh, remotely through Skype or Zoom or something like this. Mm -hmm. That got signed in law. But but look, I mean, you know, I've, I've been honored to be able to work with Majority Whip Jim Clyburn in passing a number of bills in the House. We passed a bill to close the Charleston loophole. Um, we also passed the uh, uh, John Lewis Voting Rights Act, you know, which restored uh, the original Voting Rights Act. And uh, gave the Department of Justice to to prosecute those, you know, you know, uh, cases of voter intimidation and, and other things uh, to stop it before it started. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that's been kind of one of the highlights of of my short term up there is uh, is working alongside those those people that I never thought I'd be able to meet more or less serve with people like yeah. John Lewis. Um, and I, I took my my niece, Azzy, uh down to. Uh, Selma walked to march across the uh, Edmund Pettus Bridge the last yeah. time that I think John Lewis walked across that uh, mm. and uh, one of the highlights of my last term though. Absolutely. Well, speaking about John Lewis, you know, John Lewis is a, you know, a, a staunch civil rights activist in the, you know, 1960s, early 70s before he became a legislator. Um, with everything that's been going on in the country surrounding, you know, Black Lives Matter and things of that nature, um, what have you been, been your thoughts on the way things have, have transpired and how, how, how do you think that people who are operating in that realm can get their voices heard on a more substantive level, um, if not so already? Uh, first answer is vote. 
you know, get out and make sure your voice is heard, make sure your vote is counted. But I think that, you know, during this pandemic, um, it's been tough for everybody. We talked to a lot of people who've lost family members, loved ones, neighbors. And one of the things that this pandemic has done is, is it's allowed us to kind of slow down and take a look at a lot of the inequities and in, that exist in our society, you know, and how uh, certain, you know, shortcomings uh, disproportionately impact communities of color, you know, in a state in South Carolina where, um, you know, African-Americans may make up uh, a core of the state's population. At one time, they're accounting for about half the deaths. Um, you know, like take, for instance, this conversation we're having today. We're, we're having this conversation because we have the good fortune to have reliable access to, to rural broadband. To, to Wi-Fi. And so many communities don't have that. And, you know, we expect, you know, people to, you know, have their kids at home and homeschooling through Zoom or or conduct work through online portals. But the fact is, this is a luxury that's not afforded to all. And and more so disproportionately impacting communities of color. And so I've been working majority with Jim Clyburn to expand uh, our broadband infrastructures to make sure that every single reach of our state has access to it. Cause I think that's a key thing. Healthcare is another thing too. We've seen, uh, you know, the, the access to healthcare in, in, uh, in rural communities diminish. And I think this pandemic has, like I said, it's brought, these things have always existed, you know, but this, pandemic has amplified these shortcomings in a way that that nothing else could have. And so I think I pray that that when we get through this and we're going to get through it, that we don't forget about these inequities and, and these these shortcomings in in, in South Carolina and in, in the first district. I, I think I, yeah, you spoke to a very important um, issue, which is the issue of, you know, minorities um, and, you know, issues that largely impact minorities being overlooked often by legislators. Um, has there been more of a concerted effort in the in the wake of everything that's been going on to identify what problems exist in these largely minority ish um, areas, and how do we um, come to some kind of uh, way to make sure that we are, uh, you know, they say a rising tide floats all boats. Yeah. Uh, what, you know what what has been done specifically to make sure that we're targeting minorities, especially African American people, for 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 uh, better economic infrastructure. Yeah, I think you know, you look back at some of the. Um uh, some of the destruction that that that's left in the wake of this pandemic, um, and particularly uh, businesses, small businesses, minority-owned businesses. You know, Paul, the owner of uh, the Rum Cane Bar down off East Bay Street, they closed down. I know Martha Lou's recently shut down uh, on East Bay Street, although I think they're trying to open up another location. Uh, it's hard enough for uh, these individuals sometimes to to get access to capital to start their own business, and it was even harder during the pandemic to access some of the funds needed to basically keep their businesses open, keep their doors open. And I, that's why I worked with, you know, in this recent uh, stimulus package, we worked to carve out like $25 billion that would go to these smaller banks, these rural banks that, that, that hopefully would serve, you know, these smaller businesses, minority owned businesses. We had another $25 billion earmarked for uh, the medium sized uh, banks that would go to the medium sized businesses. So recognizing that, not everybody, you know, has a, you know, their banker at Bank of America or Wells Fargo that they know on a firsthand basis that, mm -hmm. that a lot of people are struggling to get access to capital. And so we were try just trying to level the playing field and making sure that, um, you know, especially during this pandemic, that everybody's treated fairly and equally. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, thank you for that. Um, I, 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 I do want to ask this with um, everything that's been going on, you know, with it seems to be a larger um effort for people to vote I've, I've been looking at the watching the numbers in texas the last last time i checked i believe it was it was over nine nine million people in texas had voted um absentee voting 
which had been the larger, more people voted in Texas in absentee voting in this cycle than voted in the entire cycle, um, including election day on, on 2016. Um, when we see things like that happening, that definitely means that there's going to be a rise in voting from African-Americans and other yeah. minority groups that are usually largely underrepresented. Um, do you think that, that that could lead to a change in the way legislators view African-Americans when it comes to the approach in election season and beyond? It, it should. You know, th this idea of uh, let's open up the voting booths on uh, Election Day and Election Day only is is not is not the the best way to operate a democracy. You know, I just left um, uh, Seacoast Church out in Mount Pleasant where they're doing uh, you know in-person absentee for the last day until they open up uh, tomorrow. And the line was probably about twice as long as it was when I was out there last week. People are excited to get out there. People are excited to make their voice heard and their vote count. But you have to realize that a lot of people have, you know, they may be single working mothers. Uh, it may be people who can't make it to the voting booth on that particular day. I mean, we're, we're supposed to be the I mean, we are the best democracy on earth. And uh, but our election system, especially here in South Carolina, where you have politicians who want to make it harder for people to vote yeah. instead of easier for people to vote. And uh, so that's why, you know, we've been fighting in the House to level the playing field. Uh, to create automatic voter registration, make it easier for people to register to vote. And, uh, you know, what we've seen here in South Carolina by COVID allowing anybody to vote early, this is how it should be in, in every election cycle. People should be able to vote early no matter their excuse or whatever. I mean, um, you know, we've seen the long lines right now. We're going to see long lines tomorrow as well um, for single mothers and, or single parents to be out there waiting hours in line. I mean, see, I, I pass by parents with their kids or toddlers. I recognize like how hard it is to keep a yeah. two-year-old occupied and, yeah. you know, for them to be waiting hours in line to have their vote cast. Th there's, there's a lot, there's a lot better ways to do this um, and opening up the voting earlier for everyone, um, no matter their excuses, probably a step in the right direction. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Um, so one thing specifically that I care about personally, just because I, I operate in the mentorship realm in, in terms of nonprofits, first of all, thank y'all for uh, that that money that was allocated towards nonprofits sure. in response to the COVID um, thing. I think that was a very, 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 very needed and big deal. Um, but in terms of mentorship specifically, um, has there been any discussions on Capitol Hill um, in regards to how do we find um, opportunities to, to prop up uh, mentoring programs and things like that that are benefiting, um, especially areas um, where you are talking about single mothers, you know, parents who are having struggles with children, you know, going to prison at young ages and things like that. Has there been any discussions surrounding how important mentorship is and how the government can support it? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a great point. And, you know, obviously, um, you know, in these, in these communities that are struggling on all different types of levels, we need to make it easier for people, not harder. And, and, I, and I appreciate that, you know, the, everyone who's involved in a mentorship program and, uh, you know, actively trying to make their community a better one. You know, what we can do from the house side is trying to, like I said, level the playing field. Uh, you know, in South Carolina, if, take for instance, healthcare. Uh, South Carolina is one of the few states that did not expand Medicaid. Right. And that's why I was proud to introduce a bill that urges states to do just that, to expand Medicaid. We need to be making healthcare more affordable. We've passed a number of bills, like I think over a dozen bipartisan bills that drive down the cost of healthcare. Uh, but, you know, from a legislator on, on the House side, we're focused on, on making sure that, that everybody has, you know, the small business owners, especially minority owned businesses, have access to that capital that they need. And uh, to make sure that, you know, nonprofits like the one you're, you're just talking about are included in these these rounds of stimulus because we recognize there's a lot of value 
uh, in the work that you all do. And it's important that be recognized. So, you know, on our side, like I said, we're, we're trying to lift people up. We're trying to make it easier for, for people to vote, trying to make, you know, healthcare more affordable and to fix their education system. Uh, and there's, there's a lot of progress that needs to be made. We're happy with what we've got done in the first two years, but we're excited about what's more to come. Awesome. So let's talk about what is to come. What does the next term look like for our representative Joe Cunningham? Should the people of South Carolina decide to reelect you? I think you meant when when they decide to read uh, Hey, I, I'm trying to be I'm trying to be unbiased. Objective. I hear you. I hear you. I, I'm, I'm trying to be a realist here. Uh, <laughs> uh, talk that talk. I like it. Look, I think uh, there's a lot of work to be done, and I think we've seen it. first and foremost we've got to pull ourselves through this pandemic. We've got to get to the other side, and you know we need more money for testing. We need more uh, money for uh, uh, PPE. We need another round of PPP loans. Uh, we've got to get our business. We've lost so many businesses, small businesses in the low country. And uh, these aren't just, you know, think about these aren't just numbers at, on a report. You know, these are names. These are faces. I think about, you know, like I said, Paul, who owned the Rum Cane Bar uh, down on East Bay Street. These are businesses that people poured their life savings and, and this is their dream. And, uh, and and these are landmarks, too. Also, Justine's Kitchen just closed down. Uh, I used to live above that in, in college. And uh and these are these are places where people this is what makes us who we are in Charleston. And so getting through this pandemic is is first and foremost our biggest concern, making sure people get back to work, making sure our economy gets back up to the same level it was before, but also making it a, you know, a, an equitable economy that, that that benefits everyone, not just the top one percent or top two percent. Um, Health care is another big issue. You know, people are spending more and more of their money uh, on health care, rising prescription drug costs, uh, doctor's visits. Um, so we got to make sure the ACA is protected and shored up and it also enhanced, too, because there's a lot of ways, bipartisan ways we can make it more affordable for people. Uh, and look, if you save money on uh, prescription drugs or doctor's visits, that's more money in your, your pocket that can go to other things. Uh, maybe maybe a new car, uh, you know, uh, whatever else you want to put that towards. But uh, we're looking to make families more financially secure. And I think shoring up the ACA is a step in that direction. Absolutely. Um, I wanted to ask you about uh, I, I want to ask you about not necessarily about your opponent, but just there have been certain things that have been put out, you know, in, in the media, um, mm-hmm. the commercials and the such about Joe Cunningham. What are some yeah. things that maybe you'd want to clear up that maybe somebody watched the commercial may have seen and may not be true? Yeah, well, uh, anything has come from the other side. I mean, they're trying to weaponize lies and and, and and put that, you know, put that to use. And look, I think people are tired of it. I think people are tired of negativity, you know, and that's why we've tried to stay above the fray. It's why we've tried to, you know, we've ran a positive campaign talking about the issues, talking about, you know, p- people at home are like, I'm sick and tired of you blasting another person and tell me what, what's, what's wrong. Tell me what you're right. going to do. Right. Tell me what you're going to do to make my life easier or make, make, make our community a better one. And that's what we've been focused on. You know, you mentioned earlier, you know, my, my, my son Boone, and this is about, this is about the next generation. This is about, uh, you know, those generations that are going to come behind us and what kind of world are they going to inherit? Yeah. Are they going to inherit one that's more divisive, more toxic, um, and an environment that is, that is polluted? Or are we going to preserve these things for them? And we're going to, and we're going to bring integrity and honesty to our nation's capital and, uh, instill those virtues that, that we learned from, from our parents or our church or our community leaders. Um, it, it's it's all about setting that standard, and, and that's what we've tried to do in this setting that positive tone, remind people what we've done. You know, I was talking to someone earlier uh, who's over in West Ashley, and 
I was like, well, it's going to be nice here in a couple of years when that pedestrian bridge is built between West Ashley and downtown Charleston. People can commute to work on their bicycle or walk. Uh, it can alleviate traffic. Uh, and that's money that we help bring back uh, for our community. Um, but like I said, there's still a lot more that needs to be done and a lot more of those dollars need to come back into our community to make it a better one. Um, thank you so much for that. I, I want to ask you like two more questions, then I'll let you go because I know you have a very tight schedule, a very tight schedule. Um, what when it's all said and done, when it's all said and done, when Joe Cunningham has spent all the time that he spent in Washington, DC, and now he's back in his rocking chair talking to his grandkids and his great grandkids. You know, Boone's got his own kids and everything, and they're they're running around the house. What is what is grandpa Joe telling what 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 is he telling the kids that he did for the state of South Carolina? Look, I think, uh, yeah, as we sit here now, South Carolina is at the bottom of every list we want to be at the top of. And at the top of every list we want to be at the bottom of. You know, whether it's, you know, COVID numbers or it's our education system or, um, you know, it's, it's, it's the, the wages that are paid. Um, I think we have an obligation to make the future a better one for our kids and our grandchildren. And um, if, you, if you can say that you, you stood up for them and that you – you viewed every issue uh, objectively and, and digested all the facts and tried to make a, each vote was a sound decision on what would be best for the country and what would be best for our constituents, their children, their grandchildren. I think that's all you can do. And if you're honest and, and transparent with people, um, I, I think they'll continue to trust you and send you back to Washington, D.C. And that's something that, that I've been mindful of, of just letting folks know, like, here's how I view it and here's the decision we're making. And um, again, you know, we, South Carolina's got, got a ways to go uh, in lots of areas, healthcare or education. And so, you know, I want my time to be spent up in DC. And you know, I'll, I'll leave my son every week, you know, two and a half years old. And it's, you know, as they get older, it gets tougher and tougher. Yeah. Um, and you want to, you, you want, you can only leave, you only make those trips if you know that you're, you're fighting for them. And in some ways, you're trying to be a better parent by, by help guide the way up there so that their future is more secure. And the last two years, I feel like I've done exactly that. And, um, and we're, we're going to you know, keep on that path and uh, continue to fight for low country families and, and be their voice in Washington, DC. And I want to remind you, you know, your viewers that anybody who's struggling right now or going through a hard time, if they're fighting through d different agencies, uh, you know, have problems uh, with the IRS or any federal agency, contact our office. We're here to help. The, the majority of the work we do is all constituent service, whether or not you have an issue with IRS, your veterans benefits, uh, Social Security, uh, passport, um, anything. Just reach out, reach out to our office. And, you know, we're online at Cunningham.house.gov. And um, it, it, we're here to help. And like I said, so much of that is this is what public service is all about. Yes, sir. Um, before we close, Amari President's mom said to tell you hello. That's that, that's that, that's touching. Um, Amari was a was a was a giant. Yeah. The first time first time I met him was at I think it's at the Martin Luther King breakfast. Uh, he came up to me, and the, and the kid looked about twenty years old. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know he, he's he's a big kid, and I remember he told me his age. I was shocked. And this is uh, when you think about Amari. Amari is very special, and mm -hmm. uh, let his mom know that that we're all reeling from from our community's loss yes. and, and let alone her loss. Um, but you know, the, these, uh, uh, you know, people come into our lives and, and they touch us in ways and, 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 and leave their you know thumbprint on our community. 
And I th that's exactly what Amari, Amari did. You know, he's always involved and he was kind of the gold standard of, of how involved and active we want our kids to be. Absolutely. And, uh, and I know he made his mom proud and uh, he certainly made our community proud too. And, and we miss him dearly. Absolutely. Um, I, I want to, I, I so I want to close with this. Um, just give you an opportunity one last time, make the voters know why should they vote representative Joe Cunningham for more, for another term. Look, if you're, if you're tired of the divisiveness and the, uh, you know, the toxic politics, the partisan politics, the fighting, um, we're, we're looking to put an end to that. You know, I, I never ran, I had never run for office before, um, until this time, but I, I was fighting to make up, make our community a better one and make our, make this district a better one as well. And, um, you know, there's so much on, on the lines here tomorrow. Uh, a lot of things are on the ballot right now. You know, they're, they're, this is a choice. This election is a choice between those who, you know, believe in science versus those who don't. Those who, you know, uh, want to make it easier for people to vote and those who want to make it harder. Those who want to protect health care for those with pre-existing conditions and those who want to rip away your health care. And, and that's, those are the choices that are on the ballot tomorrow. And um, I, I want to encourage every person who's not voted to get out and vote. And like I said, make their, make their vote count, make their voice heard. This is what it's all about. This is about democracy. And, um, you know, cause you can't, you can't be a, a, a spectator uh, this time around, you know, you can't complain about it the day after if you didn't get out there and vote, everybody's got to play their part. And, uh, and, and, and tomorrow's the day. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Representative Joe Cunningham. I really appreciate your time and energy. I wish you the best in the campaign. Um, I, I can't say who I voted for because that would make me unbiased, but I sort of voted for you. So, <laughs> but uh, I mean, I already voted. You know, I, I yeah, voted. Everything. <laughs> yeah, I voted. It's good. It's good seeing you last weekend too. Yes, um, it was definitely good. You know, you came to New Bethel Sounds of Praise, my home church, and uh, I was, it was a great opportunity. And I also, I also wanted to say this. Um, thank you. And I want to say thank you to every uh, candidate who's made the point of it to speak to people um, like myself all around the state of South Carolina. I've seen so many platforms with uh, candidates who have been willing to, to engage directly with the people as opposed to just putting a sign down in the yeah. ground and then saying, all right, I've done enough to get their vote. Um, yeah. I, I, when I come back to D.C., because I normally come to D.C. at least once a year, okay. I'd love to come to the office and sit down with you and, and talk to you a little bit more about my nonprofit and how, how you know, things we're doing in the community. I look forward to it. Thank you so much. Um, you guys, have a, um, you have a great day. I'm yeah. going to go ahead and do my close if that's okay. Awesome. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to mm -hmm. Representative Joe Cunningham. Um, I know he's busy, so if he has to go, I understand. I appreciate it. Thank you, everybody who watched. Um, I'm not going to do a long close. Just make sure you subscribe to my channel. If you enjoyed this video, if you like interviews of this nature, um, I have lots of them. Um, this is actually 122 that I do with our Representative Joe Cunningham. So if you like that kind of thing, if you are in the process of voting, if you have not voted yet, make sure you go to www.scvotes.org and find out your polling station, find out where you need to be. Make sure you know who's on the ballot. Make yourself educated about it so you will know who you're voting for, what they stand for, and even check their voting record. If you don't know how to do any of those things, find somebody who's intelligent. I know several people that I could refer you to. If you don't know of anybody who could you know, give you some good good advice, it don't have to be me, it can be somebody else. Um, but just make sure you get educated. Um, an uneducated voter is kind of a useless voter, I'm gonna be honest with you. So just make sure that you, 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 you and you take the time that it takes to go out and find it. Also, like I said, make sure you find your polling station, www.scvotes.org. My name is Ray John Lewis, and this has been Real Talk with Rajan. Always remember that God is everything, and without him, we are nothing. So never forget where your help comes from. And if a man doesn't stand for something, 
He's bound to fall for anything. Now that is real talk. Make sure you vote, y'all. Peace.